Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today we have on the show the number eighth ranked UFC welterweight, Michael Chiesa. Uh, he has a huge fight coming up with Neil Magny on UFC on ESPN January 20th. Um, he's a guy that I've always wanted to have on the show. Great guy. Looking forward to talking to him. So let's get this going. Michael, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Mike Quick Swick. Good hey. to talk to you. The legend himself, tough one veteran. I, I could bring you in. You could bring me in. You know, we could do this. We could do this together. <laughs> Stop with this legend stuff, dude. I'm just an old man. <laughs> you look younger than me, though. Shit. No, come on, man. It's yeah. uh, it's makeup. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, man. So I see you got a little nice little setup there, and you are my friend Jenna Ben Show. Uh, Jenna, yeah. uh, Jenna in Los Angeles. And I saw you and ironically enough, I saw you and Neil Magny and a few other guys doing like a, a zoom and y'all, y'all were all being friendly and it seemed pretty cool, man. It was kind of a cool little, uh, like different take on podcasting with fighters who just want to, you know, instead of just talking about fighting all the time. Yeah, it was pretty fun. And the, in the other thing that was fun about it is you got guys that are like in the same division. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like between me, Jeff and, uh, Neil, it's like, you know, we kind of we're all in the rankings. Yeah. And it's all we could all be potentially be fighting each other. And, uh, you know, me and Neil Magny was already kind of scheduled for us to fight, but we weren't allowed to announce it. So so it made it kind of extra funny when they're like, as I'm like kind of bringing the guys in for the show. I'm like, so do you got anything coming up, Neil? Like, get all close to the camera and make it all weird. <laughs> I was going to ask you at that, at that time when y'all did that show, did y'all have the fight booked or scheduled or talked about? And, and so now I know. So you guys were like covering it up the whole time? Yeah, we were covering it up the whole time. I knew... I knew going into um, them booking the fight that, that Neil could potentially be a backup for the Hamza Chimaev Leon Edwards fight. So I think that's why they were kind of holding off on announcing it. I think that's just kind of been the theme through 2020 and, you know, now that we're into 2021. But um, it's just like they're not really announcing, the, unless it's a big fight, they're kind of announcing these fights like really last you know, minute. Three weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I think a lot of guys know what's going on. I think they're just kind of waiting because things can get shuffled around so much, you know, yeah. especially for us ranked guys. It's like it's kind of the year of the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're going to call you, you know, this is the date. This is who you're fighting, but we're not going to announce it because it could change. So it's like, you know, that's a, it's a good and a bad thing. But, you know, we're just we're 13 days away. I got my fight. I got a main event. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm glad that Neil didn't have to move on. Um, to be the backup for that Leon Edwards fight, I'm glad that him and I can finally settle this thing and uh, get out there and scrap for us to rank for us ranked fighters. See, I used to could say that at one point. I can't say that now. <laughs> now, now I watch <laughs> UFC and I'm like, I used to do that. That's like the the biggest thing that I have. I can say. Um, so so with Neil, um, how, so I thought you were in the like your name was kind of brought up for that um, Leon Edwards fight or something, and the UFC turned it down or something. What what happened there? Yeah, that's. So I had heard that Leon had offered um, to fight me or Neil, okay. and to my understanding from my manager, I heard that he he preferred me, um, given that I had the higher ranking. Right. And I think that the I think the UFC is just very set on that Hamzat Shemaya fight. I think they really yeah. want to see that happen, and I think there's just so much steam behind it. I think that's why they want to keep the matchup together. Uh, I mean, the fans are really talking about. It. There's a lot of buzz around it. But, you know, I really feel for Leon Edwards. The guy hasn't fought since July 2019. Uh, you know, COVID yeah. impacted him very hard. I mean, this is a guy he was getting ready for a main event against Tyron Woodley. Who he you're was, very he was training with, with us here in Thailand for that fight. And we were all, I had, yeah. my, I had my plane ticket still booked because I couldn't get my money back to go to London from here to watch that fight. And then it got, and it got all canceled and everything. I was like, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. But yeah, so that, you know, that, 
that fell through for him. And, you know, they, they locked the country down and it kind of stuck him in a really bad position. And, um, you know, I feel for the guy. Yeah. I, 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 it's unfortunate to see a guy that talented be shelved for so long, you know, but, but his misfortune is become my reward. Right. I get to slide into that main event spot against Neil Magny and I want to make the most of it. You know what I mean? I feel for the guy as a fan, but as a fighter, uh, you know, I don't have a ton of sympathy because, you know, I'm in the position I'm in now because his fight got moved. Right, right, and I'm, right. It's, it's a blessing for me. I'm excited to compete. It's my second my second go around with the main event. You know, my first main event was Kevin Lee. And uh, that that was a very controversial fight. You know, I'd rather yeah. lose <laughs> fair and square. I'd rather have a guy beat me, you know, submit me, knock me out, beat me by decision than have a terrible intervention with a referee. Yeah. So I get a second shot at a main event and hopefully like win, lose or draw. There won't be any bad officiating. Uh, I can I can dictate how this fight goes and have it be in my hands instead of the referees. So yeah. I'm really excited about it. Well, you almost had two fights with him. I remember the little scrimmage you did at the uh, at the press release or press conference, or whatever. And that, man, you were you were you were getting amped fast about that, dude. You were serious. Like you literally <laughs> went after him. Like you were like not even joking. It wasn't like for the cameras or anything. You were gonna try and kill that guy. Yeah, I'm very defensive about my mom. You know, my dad when he was around, uh, just I can remember as a kid like. We'd be at the grocery store. I'll never forget this. We were at the grocery store, and it's like 10 at night. There's nobody there. It's empty. We're standing in line, and there's one person behind us. I'm not really paying attention, and all of a sudden, I just hear my dad. My dad's 6'4", you know, 100% Italian, got an Italian temper, and all of a sudden, he's just like, you like what you're looking at, pal? Like, some dude was apparently was checking out my mom, and my dad starts screaming at him in this, like, quiet grocery store. So, like, I'm like, whoa. So, I've always kind of been under this impression as a kid, like, you know, defend your mother at all costs under any circumstance, you know? So, um, and I was a little bit sensitive back then. I would, that was a weird time for me. You know, I was kind of not, I was not myself back then. I, if that makes any sense, I was kind of like insecure about myself. I don't think that would happen now. I think I would, I think I could have, I think I could have, uh, went about that in a different way, Yeah. but I was just kind of a hothead back then. And, uh, nonetheless, it makes for good TV. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> made it on world star hip-hop i can scratch that off my bucket list oh, world nice. star <laughs> world star um nice man and then so uh you mentioned hamzai uh i saw something where you said hamzai was definitely legit you believe he's legit he's got uh some good potential but possibly obviously beatable uh what is your take on him like just overall just a quick summary of what your thoughts are in general considering you know yeah he has won all of his fights but he hasn't fought someone like leon edwards um so Given what you know, what, what is your take on how he's going to do against someone like Leon Edwards? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's like in the combat sports world, if somebody comes from Dagestan or Chechnya, you know they're going to be tough. Yep. You know, if, they, if somebody from that region of the world makes it on the world stage, you know they're going to be legit. I mean, he's got an undefeated record. I, you know, I, I when he was fighting in Brave, he had a buzz about him. I remember hearing about him before. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the guy has great skills. And to my understanding, he hasn't really been training mixed martial arts for that long, which makes him that much more dangerous. You give this guy more time. Yeah. And you know how it is, Mike. I'm 33 years old now. And as you get as you progress in a fighting career, like it's almost like the older you get, the better you get. You kind of get you, yeah. when you become more of a veteran. You get some more fights. You get some more of a feel. You become more dangerous. And I think this is the case with Hamza Chemaev. I think when he comes into his own, into his late 20s, early 30s, I think this guy's going to be a very dominant champion. Um, but I think that now is the time for a guy like Leon. This would be a great time to fight him. Yeah. Um, you know, Leon's got more of a veteran status under his belt. He's got more fights in the UFC. Um 
you know, we'll see what happens. But I think the guy's a hell of a talent. And, uh, you know, the buzz is the buzz is real, you know. So we're going to see what happens when, when he fights Leon Edwards whenever that fight happens. Yeah, definitely. And I know what you mean by, by learning more, man. Like after fighting, I, you know, coached a little bit, which helped improve my skills. And then I got healthy for the first time. So, so I was unhealthy for my prime pretty much to the end of my career. And then now it's just like, damn, man, I wish I could almost go back and like be me now <laughs> like 10 years ago and have a few more fights, you know, but it's like, what, what, you know, whatever. I'm still learning, you know, and it's like I'm 41. I'm still out there hitting the pads this week. I was hitting the pads and, and, and I'm still learning stuff, you know, and they're still my, my tie instructor is still con- correcting me and, and fixing mistakes and, you know. Yeah, dude, and you're still shredded. You're more jacked. I'm like no. <laughs> three, 13 weeks out from a fight and you're more jacked than I am. I'm like, geez. You know, and that, what was that? So what was that? I know that you had, I sh- you should be asking me the questions, but I got to ask you. No, go ahead. Things. What, now, I know that you, it was some type of intestinal issue that kind of put you out for a while while you were in kind of the prime of your run. Yeah. Well, the problem was they didn't know and they, they misdiagnosed me with uh, dyspepsia. It's a, it's a stomach condition. And so okay. I was on all this dyspepsia medicine that wasn't working because I didn't have dyspepsia and I'm trying to yeah. fight and I'm trying to get through my career and nothing's working. So I'm eating these foods and I'm having what I eventually was esophageal spasm. So I was, no matter what happened, I would end up eating and then having this major spasm attack at nighttime and I couldn't sleep. So I wasn't eating like four or five hours before I go to bed after fight camp. So like, if you see my fights uh, at welterweight, I look like like if, I, if you see my fights at middleweight, I was actually normal looking, right? But at welterweight, I looked like I'm malnourished. And, and that's why I hate the media so much because they were always bashing me about like cutting weight too much to fight smaller guys. And I'm like, I'm not cutting weight to fight smaller. I would, I'd fight 205 if I could. Like I'm cutting yeah. weight because I can't eat. And I'm walking at my, my, my fight weight at 169, 170 because I can't yeah. eat and I'm training hard. And then I'm looking you see the, I mean, you can see the photos online. I'm, I look horrible. Like you see my bones are sticking out and I'm like, you know, so it's like, it was just, yeah, it was a pain in the ass, man. And then like, I don't know, but like after my career, just, it just started getting better. I, uh, well, I eventually got diagnosed with the right condition, esophageal spasm, got better medicine. Yeah. It started working. And then it kind of like, as I kind of retired and was officially done fighting is when it finally kicked in and my body just got better, which could have been, you know, from the stress or something, who knows, you know, you're under a lot of stress as a fighter. And that plays yeah. a big role. So maybe when that stress went away, my life, even though business is stressful, it's a different kind of stress. Yeah, it, it got a lot better, and and then I got a lot more healthy. Yeah, the stress of having to fight somebody's—it's all—it's totally different. It's the stuff yeah. that keeps you up at night. Like, did I train hard enough? Did yeah. I? I should have went one extra round. I should have done this one thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a different stress than than life stresses, but. Nonetheless, you still had a great career. Thanks, so you man. Can't, Thanks. Can't, can't knack yourself too much. Appreciate it, man. And you said finally getting this thing out of the way with Neil Magny. Maybe I missed something because I just don't know. But like, what what is the deal with you and Neil? Like, how did this fight come together? Is there any kind of like history or something, or is it is it just something that just happened? Well, first and foremost, we're it's totally cordial. There's no like bad blood. There's yeah, no beef. I like, I'm sure. not that. I'm not that type of guy. Those days. The Kevin Lee days, the Anthony Pettis days, those are long gone. No bad blood. You just attack somebody on stage in front of the world. Other than that, you've been pretty cool. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, after I fought Carlos Condit, um, I, you know, I called for the Neil Magny fight. It made sense. Uh, he yeah. was kind of like bottom of the top 15. You know, I left lightweight, and I think I was ranked like ninth. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'm going to jump right in the mix. I'm going to try and get a ranked guy. Yeah. So I thought I had the fight, and then um, – yeah, I thought I thought I was gonna fight him um, in May 2019 on the Rochester card in New York, and um, he he turned me down to fight a guy, uh, Lesio Dos Santos, and I was kind of like, oh, 
well, shit, you know, that kind of sucks. And then I ended up, ended up getting matched up against your guy, Diego Sanchez. Um, and then, uh, things kind of, uh, you know, he had his, his, uh, he had his mishap with USADA, which cleared his name. I don't think Neil's a cheater. He's, I mean, this is a good, honest guy. And he's actually the guy that when he failed his drug test, he kind of paved the way for these guys to get a fair shake in arbitration because whatever he popped for was so low and his suspension got just reduced by an, like a great amount. He's kind of a, he's kind of like a front runner that kind of helped, you know, that to kind of pave the way for guys that are getting a bad shake uh, from USADA now. So right. kudos to him. Um, you know, so kind of, you know, there was never any bad blood. There's not like a big storyline, but it's kind of like, you know, I, I called for the fight to fight him. Things panned out. He took a different fight. He, he had his whole situation with USADA go down. He cleared his name. Um, and then he wins against he his first comeback fight. He fights um, Leech Jingling uh, from from China, and I'm drunk in Canada at a <laughs> seminar. And uh, like I, I taught the seminar, went out, and I was actually with Carlos Condit. We went out, did the seminar, had some beers, and uh, and then he gets on the mic as I'm watching UFC with like all these guys that we did the seminar with, and he calls me out. So oh, I'm like, nice. all right, we got we got to fight. So um, you know, I really was pushing after the RDA fight uh, last year. I was really pushing to fight a guy ranked ahead of me. I just I went from being unranked to beating the number five guy. I was like, dude, I should be top five. I should be fighting these yeah, top yeah. five guys. Um, you you know, COVID happens. I had knee surgery that puts puts me on the shelf, and then. Uh, you know, the, the way the, the landscape of the division was when this fight got scheduled was this is just like the next best guy. You right. know, he's ranked one spot below me. I'm not getting the guy ranked ahead of me, but he's one spot below me. I think it'll still do do great things for my number, the number next to my name, which, you know, sometimes I think I make that out to be more than what it is. Sometimes yeah. I need to remember rankings. They're not everything. Yeah. But uh it's the next best thing, and it's a fight that I feel like has been meant to happen for a long time, and, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and you know what the difference is, too? I mean, the ranking aside, you're on a three-fight win streak, and, and, and you put together three good wins. I mean, you're talking Carlos Condit, Sanchez, and then uh, RDA. So it's like that's three big wins. You, you beat Neil Magny. There's a lot to that, un, un, you know, unrelated to the rank. So, I mean, I think you can jump up quite a bit um, after this fight if you get a win. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I kind of already have my – my eyes set on, on on who I'm going to ask for next. I, I'm a guy that I'm I'm a man with a plan. I get done with the fight, I'm always ready, like, ready yeah. to call the next guy out. That I, you know, I'm always like, I, you know, I don't, I never look past my opponent. But you know how it is, man. The most crucial time after a win to ask for a fight is when you get your right. 30 seconds of fame on the microphone, and so yep. you got to have a name in the back of your mind so you can capitalize on that. That's what get, gains the most steam. Um, like, you know, I wanted Colby after RDA. That was the fight that I was like, that's, I, I felt that was the right fight. Um, you know, I think him and Hori Masvidal are going to fight next, but you know, I got a couple names in the back of my mind. Um, you know, there's some fights that need to shake out. We're going to see Burns and Usman in, in February, you know, three weeks after me, that's a huge fight for the division. I feel like last year, I feel like last year we didn't see a ton of movement at welterweight. I mean, we did see Usman fight Hori Masvidal. We finally saw, uh, you know, Jeff Neal and Wonder Boy. They fought at the end of the year. But outside of that, there wasn't a ton of ranked fights at welterweight, where I think 2021 is going to be the year of the welterweight division. I think yeah. that there's going to be a lot of big fights going there. That's what Sean, Sean Shelby told me in Abu Dhabi before, long before my fight got booked when I was there for Fight Island. He's like, dude, 
we're this division we're done having it not move like be yeah. when you get home when your feet touch the u.s soil you head to the gym and you start getting in shape because we're booking you guys we're getting this division moving i'm like you don't gotta tell me twice sean yeah. like he gave you like this motivational speech so i think this year they really want to get this division moving and i'm excited you know i i i want to do what i was supposed to. my my goal last year was to fight three times wanted to fight in july wanted to fight on the end of the year card life happens COVID happens things happen but i feel like this year i'm i'm, I'm gonna continue I, i'm gonna i get a repeat i get a retry of, of that 2020 goal of mine you know what i mean yeah so i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to run it back and do do try to do what i set out to do last year so i'm gonna try to get three fights in this year and ultimately my goal is to end and 2021 is is number one contender and i nice. feel like a win over neil magny is going to set me on the right course to make that happen. Absolutely. Are you concerned with these new uh, guidelines and the COVID and the quarantines and all that, being this is your first time kind of fighting in that? Or is it kind of, I mean, the, the no audience is kind of, you, you were in tough, so that's kind of, you know, you can you can kind of relate that to that. But the other stuff, like, are you concerned about that or is it? You know, it's the thing that concerns me the most, Mike, is I, uh, I've had the same coach my entire career, Right. you know, aside from the ultimate fighter, he's been in my corner every single fight. I've never, I mean, this goes back all the way to my amateur days, you know, when I was fighting in 2008, um, you know, I'm a, th I'm a third I'm going on 13 year fight veteran this May, yeah. you know what I mean? I've been in the game yeah. a long time and I've had the same coach every fight. So I, I always, my, my biggest fear is like he pops and he can't be the chief in command headed into this you know every fight's the biggest fight of your life every yeah. fight's the biggest fight it doesn't matter who it is this is every the next fight is always the biggest fight of your life so right now i got the biggest fight of my life on deck you know yeah. what i mean main event in abu dhabi um I, I just i get afraid that he's gonna pop and i'm not gonna have him you know what i mean and nonetheless though um i kind of roll with the same crew every time so i know that like if, if one of them falls off even if it's rick my head coach i know that i got my boys behind me um and then everything will be fine. So, you know, and, and to be to have your camp kind of cut short because of quarantine stuff, you can't really look too much into it because your opponent's got to do the same thing. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, it's 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 kind of a fair game. That's so my only fear with the quarantine is like I would just hate it if like my corners popped, you know, right, and yeah, right, and right. I know that like worst case scenario of like all three of my cornermen failed, like I got enough connections <laughs> in the industry that yeah. it's like, I would just call like Paul Felder, but like, hey, yeah, Felder, yeah. I think you need to come off the He's desk, always ready. I, need you to, I need you to corner me, you know, I got, and you know, John Wood will be out there, I'd, I'd be able to make it work, but that type of stress I would want to deal with going into a fight. Yeah, no, I totally understand, that, that's crazy, man, and like, Th those things can happen so fast. Do you, they, did they name anyone that, that could be a, a jump in for that or no? You would think they would name someone as soon as possible just in case so you can kind of like have them at least in the back, you know, the back of your head when, when you're training. No, not really. I mean, I think that, that, you know, for in terms of the opponent, I think that, you know, I was this fight to, to my understanding was almost kind of like a backup. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're yeah. kind of like. This Neil's the backup to to Hamza and Leon, yeah. and then now since that fight's not happening, well now this fight's gonna happen. So now we get to kind of take their place. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing, but if my cornerman fell off, I don't know. I would just have to wing it, dude. I'd like yeah. I got John Wood out there, so John Wood's out there cornering Roxanne Montefiore. I could always throw him in there, and I got friends. I, you know, either way, whoever the opponent is, it changes. The corner changes, you know, I got, I, it, we would adapt, we would adjust, we would make it happen. The only thing I didn't want to happen 
is I would hate to have the curveball there. You know how it is, dude. There's so many good up and coming prospects that we have no idea about. Like I pay very close attention to the sport, but I'm not watching all the cage warrior shows. I'm not watching all the regional shows in each country. It would suck if I lost, if Magni fell off and they're like, Okay, we found you an opponent. Yeah, you know, and it's this guy that's he's you know, he's a ten and zero dude from yeah, yeah. somewhere. He just like total curveball. That would suck. Yeah. That would be the one that would be like I would be a little uncomfortable with. But I don't think it's going to come to that. I think we're going to get this fight. I think me and Neil Magny, we're going to be able to fight on January twentieth yeah. with our corner men. <laughs> I think everything will work out. <laughs> well, I hope I hope the best for you, man. And that's why I asked you because I you would think they would announce the, a replacement just in case you know something happened. You you at least had him in the back of your mind to kind of prepare uh, mentally, at least if nothing else. Uh, he's on a three fight win streak right now. Um, do you study a lot on your opponents? Do you look at a lot of tape and like really study them a lot, or just a little bit or do you not do it at all because i i've heard all from the fighters so i like to ask each one like how how their preparation goes for that well for me you know i used to be like a religious film studier like he used to be like every night i'm coming home and i'm watching film and i i i got out of that habit of watching film a ton because i feel like a i gotta trust my eye for the sport and, and I like to think I have a good eye for the sport. Right. And it's like, if I can watch, a, if I can watch a guy's film, just a couple, just a handful of times, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up on the right tendencies that I see. Now, if I keep watching film all the time, I'm going to start to see things like, Ooh, there's this thing I didn't notice yeah, before, yeah. but it's like, I don't want it to overlap the things <laughs> I'm seeing firsthand. Like what are like, I, I want to watch film just a, once or twice and the, the, my first initial thoughts of what I see, that's what I need to stick with because that's what I'm going to see in the fight. But if I start breaking the film down too much, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I see a new thing. I don't want it to overlap the things I've been seeing seeing firsthand. Uh, just like the very first things I see, those are the things I want to stick with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually I watch film with my coach. He usually does a lot of dissecting. I mean, he's like – you know, he goes all out, you know, YouTube and the social media platforms and this and that. And, uh, you know, and for me now I've gotten to this point being an analyst that I watch fights in a different manner. Now I used to, a, I've had to watch Neil Magny's fights from an analyst standpoint when he fought Robbie yeah. Lawler, I, I worked the desk that card. So I'm like, oh, this is the first time I'm like watching, I'm, I'm watching his film and I'm not even thinking about myself. I'm just thinking about like, what is he good at? I'm yeah. not thinking like, usually I watch a guy like one of my opponents or somebody I could potentially fight. I watch the film and think like, who, how do I match up against him? I'm always thinking about how I match up with these guys. It's like, now I'm watching film like, I'm not even in the equation. I'm just gonna watch him as a fighter and see what he's good at and wow. not even think about matchups. So I, I feel like my mind is getting a lot sharper for the sport and that's very dangerous. I mean, this sport is 99% mental. That, right. that, that statement holds true all the time. And, uh, so I, I'm able to watch fights in a different perspective. And I think that's going to benefit me a lot. I got a lot of mental notes on Neil with me in the equation and out of the equation. And I think it danger is it, it makes me a very dangerous person when that octagon door closes. So, um, you know, there has been a certain amount of film study, but I'm not I'm not watching that stuff on repeat. You know what right. I mean? I'd rather go back and watch my sparring videos and I'd rather I was gonna ask you that. that's what I would rather do. So we film we film my sparring. I'd rather watch my sparring and focus on my skills than just sit and watch his and try to like I, I, I don't want to I wanna go off my first thoughts on, on my matchup. I wanna watch film the first time, see what I see, go with that, and then just really watch myself. 
I don't want to have to go back and watch him and just start clouding my mind with too much stuff. Like I know what things I need to watch out for. I know what he's dangerous. I know what he's good at. And I know what deficits he has. Right. So now I just got to, you know, I got to just do plug and play, just fill those voids, do what I got to do to get the win. And, and, uh, it's been, it's been interesting going into, going into a fight now as, as an analyst and a fighter, you know, yeah. I'm able to kind of, it, 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 I think it makes me more dangerous for sure. Absolutely, because you're breaking yeah. stuff down. Um, I'm crazy OCD, so like I used to actually watch my own fights. Like I would study kind of my own past couple fights or previous couple fights and kind of look at my weaknesses and how I would beat myself to try to change those things, you know, as if I, my opponent's doing the same thing. He's watching those weaknesses as well. Do you do that? Have you ever watched your own fights kind of uh, and then just saw your weaknesses and or, or saw things that maybe you did that, that you could change or improve on and, and try to do that so that he wouldn't expect it? A hundred percent. That's the one thing I pride myself on a lot is when I go back and watch my own fights, I'm like, I I see what I did wrong. I see what things I could have done better. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm going to do something that he's not going to expect. If if, the, if I, I want to make it to where it would almost be a mistake if my opponent was to watch a lot of film on me. I want to make it to where it would almost be a mistake to where when a guy watches too much film, you start to expect things. You know what I mean? What happens if your opponent's not doing what you're expecting him to do? It's going to totally throw you off. You know what I mean? You can't. So that, so that's what I like to do is make sure I'm a different, I'm a different and better version of myself every time I compete. And I think there'd be a big mistake, especially if you're going off my last fight, Dude, I had the worst camp of my entire career mm -hmm. ever, bar none, hands down. And that's not a win or lose. That would that that is a valid reason. I broke my nose yeah, two yeah. weeks into the camp, could not spar. Like, and you know how it is, dude. Like, yeah. as I'm getting older, like, yeah, sparring is not everything, but that's where you get your confidence. Timing. That's where you get that's where you get your best conditioning. That's where you get your timing. Yeah. Everything comes from that. So going through a camp. For the toughest fight of my life, yeah. not being able to spar, not being able to grapple from the feet, not being able to roll, like not being able to do anything live. It's like to be, I have it. I feel like I have that that ace in the hole where it's like you didn't even see the best version of myself my last fight. Yeah. And I can honestly say talking to you now, yeah. given I get through today, knock on wood, today's yeah, like yeah. the last hard, hard day. It's like I get through today. I'm injury free. I'm healthy. Like this is going to be, it's going to be such a breath of fresh air to go into a fight and be like 100%. Like nice. I could, I feel like I'm going to be the best version of myself nice. here in a couple weeks. Well, thanks for taking time out for, uh, on your hardest day, man. So hopefully this will just yeah. get your mind off of things for a while and, uh, and, and help your day, um, without giving anything away strategically. Um, okay. On the Jinnah Ben show, uh, Neil Magny agreed that a good ground game is more important than a good stand up game. Uh, Neil Magny's lost, I think, four of his seven fights by submission. I think you've won 11 of your 17 fights by submission. Are we going to see anything different, and are you going to try anything different, or is it going to be what exactly everyone's expecting? I mean, is it going to be a, a ground game, and, and you're just going to go straight for the ground and submit them? I mean, like I said, don't give anything away strategically, but are you trying to, to test new things or, or looking to test new things that you can admit to right now, or is it – secret or is it just kind of like you're, you you can ex explain what you're going to do and you're just going to be like the khabib system where you're just like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to go out there and do my thing um you know i i could that's always going to be plan a for me you know i'm a ground you always fighter. have that i don't yeah. care you know that's I've, I've always been a ground fighter that's always been my wheelhouse but i am still evolving as a fighter yeah um you know i'm you know this my stand-up game's always been there i just haven't quite showcased it 
Um, you know, I don't really have a ton of expectations in terms of what I'm going to do. My big emphasis is this is five rounds and this, this guy's most, this guy is dangerous if you, the longer you keep him in the fight. So that doesn't mean I'm going to try to sprint to the finish line, try and get him out there as fast as I can. My emphasis is just making sure in a three round fight, I feel like it's, it's more, it's very important to you got to see you, you kind of got to be very dominant from bell to bell where it's like this fight, there might be a little more of a feeling out process. I really don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. Um, so I always tell myself I'm going to do one thing and the next thing I know I'm out there doing something else. So, um, I know I, the, the biggest thing is I know what he's good at. I know what he's not good at. And I feel like I'm sure he feels the same. Um, and I'm just going to let the fight kind of unfold. You know, there's really no, I'm not huge on a set game plan guy. I'm not, I'm not a guy that's like, we have a game plan. This is what we're doing. It's like, I don't really like game planning because when, like I said, game planning goes back to what I was saying earlier about like when you're watching film, usually guys that are very big on these set game plans, they're religious about watching the film. And it's like, you base your game plans almost around what your opponent's doing. Right. And what happens when your opponent's not doing what your game plan, what your game plan's based around, everything's going to kind of fall apart. So I'm just not a big game plan guy. I know we train for uh, anywhere this fight goes. This fight could be 25 minutes on the feet and I'd be fine. You know what I mean? If this fight hits the floor and gets into my wheelhouse, well, I'll be more than fine. So anywhere the fight goes, I'm going to be confident. I know that's kind of a cookie cutter answer, but yeah, it really yeah. is the truth. Like, I, you know, all the I's have been dotted. All the T's have been crossed. I've got to spar. I've got to wrestle. I've got to grapple. I got to do everything I need to do in a camp to 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 fight this fight wherever it needs to take place. So I'm just confident wherever the fight goes at this point. And and be it and and or finish or um, time frame. Ideally, what are you looking to do here as far as the prediction? Uh, you know, I want the finish. I always want the finish, especially and time when you frame get fast as you can, probably right. <laughs> just whenever whenever the opportunity presents itself and that could be early that could be late you know yeah. it's 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 hard to say when you're going against a guy like neil like it could be a late it could be a late finish it could be an early finish you really don't know what to expect and that could go both ways he's a dangerous guy as well and i think guys are a guy like neil who you know i i definitely have a lot more finishes than he does but i think that he he's more prone to get a finish with his activity his comfortability he's this will be his fourth fight Almost within a year, I think within a year span, not a calendar year, but a year span. I think this is his fourth fight, and I think that makes him more dangerous in in terms of being able to get a finish. And uh, you know, but but for me, it's just whatever the opportunity presents itself, I'll capitalize. And I'm I'm very good at spotting those openings. You know, yeah. I'm not a guy. You know, I don't go all in for a submission if I don't have it. You right. know, I'm not a guy. You won't see me shooting for something that I'm just going to toast my arms and really kind of you know, shoot myself in the foot in a five round fight, but best believe if the opportunity presents itself, I will capitalize. And that's, that's what makes me dangerous in this fight is you can't make a mistake. Like if this fight hits the ground and you make one small error, it's going to cost you the fight. You could be beating me for 24 to 25 minutes, but in that 25th minute, if you make the smallest mistake, you know, you leave your neck hanging out, I'm going to grab it. So, yeah. um, so it makes this fight so interesting. Yeah, so it should it be is. a lot of fun, man. And I'm really looking forward to it.
All right, I hope you're enjoying the podcast, but we have to thank our sponsors, our first being Manscaped, the official trimmer of the UFC, and now the official trimmer of the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast, and yours truly, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now you can save 20% and get free shipping by going to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, and entering code QUICK at checkout. You get free shipping and 20% off your order and Manscaped is now available in Europe, Canada, and Australia. So all you listeners and watchers from all those places, Europe, Australia, and Canada, America, you can all order Manscaped. Manscaped.com, enter code QUICK, you save money. They know that we sent you. It's a win-win for everyone. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by AK Thailand, the world's premier luxury training resort in Phuket, Thailand. You can go to akthailand.com right now and save 30% off all group training. Three weeks, three months, six months, a year, all group training, 30% off, no expiration date. You can use it anytime in the future. Um, if you have any questions, email us at info at akthailand.com, and we can get you here right now. They are doing special three-month visas. We can get you here. We get your visa and save 30%. So you can actually come start processing right now. Info at akthailand.com or akthailand.com. If you're not familiar with the gym, here's our commercial. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. In your, in your fight camp uh, for this fight, what was your typical curriculum for your week? Well, you know, now that we're tapering off, I, there's no more three or four. Like some some days, I turn into a psycho, and it's like I want to do three workouts. I want to do four workouts. And, you know, I just like I like to, especially going against a guy like Neil, who's like this guy's a cardio machine, and yeah. you almost like the 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 you know how it is as a fighter. Sometimes you want to beat your opponent at what they're good at. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you're a good striker. Like, and that could cost you sometimes. Yeah. Like when I fought Jorge Masvidal, I was like. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to knock Corey Mazzard all out. And you know what? I did drop him, but I ended up losing. So yeah. that's not always the best thing. But, yeah. uh, you know, the beginning of camp is like heavy workload. Like train as many times a day as you can, as many times as your body can handle. Really put yourself through the grinder. And now it's more about like two quality practices a day. Um, and, you know, and then lots of live rounds. You know, I'm really just like being able to do live rounds is like such a blessing. Having that taken away from me that last camp, definitely getting a lot of live rounds in. Um, I built it. So with with the state of the world, um, all the gyms are closed. Like, you know, right. so we're so it's a lot of like close knit group training. You know what I mean? Not not the gym's not big stuff full of 20, 30, 40, 50 people anymore. It's like we're doing 10 or less yeah. um, in their private training. So the groups are small, but the, the it, you know, the groups are quality. And, uh, and then I built, I built a gym in my garage. 
So I put like 15 grand into my garage and I got like a miniature UFC performance Institute. So it's like <laughs> when people think like, Oh, you're out working out in your garage. I'm like, you should see the equipment I have out there. Yeah. I got like, I got some pretty quality. I'm doing all my strength conditioning out in my garage and it's been great. You know what I mean? It saves me time having to drive. I live out in the country. So it saves me time having to drive across town, going to the gym and stuff. So, um, that's been great. So I'm really just pushing the cardio, making sure I can be ready for those championship rounds and uh, just lots of live rounds, lots and lots and lots of live rounds. I went to Tucson and uh, I went and trained at Joey Rivera's gym and he was on the same season, Ultimate Fighter as Neil. He had some good tall kickboxers out there. So I went out there to get some looks. I think in like two days we did like 18 live rounds, all getting switched on, all sorts of crazy stuff. So the work's been put in. I mean, after today, I can honestly say the hay's in the barn and it's just time to go fight. Um, we just got to get through today and I think, I think we'll be good to go. Yeah. Going, going from all that, it's like, we don't have COVID here in Thailand. So, I mean, I can just imagine having to get ready for a fight and have a fight camp and be also terrified of your training partners and what they're doing and where they're going. And like any of them could give you COVID at any time that could knock you out of your fight. That's gotta be a huge stress, man. So before I say anything else, I just want to say hats off to you guys that are going out there and putting it on the line for us to, to stay home. And I know you're doing it for yourself as well, but I mean, it's, it's a lot harder to do what you're doing with this COVID than not only the fight, but the preparation than what we had to do and what you've had to do in the past. So hats off to you guys, man, because I, I, that, I can't, I can't even imagine going to a fight camp, having to stress about that kind of shit. Oh dude, there's been a few, a few close calls. I've had yeah. a few instances where like I literally trained with a guy and the next day he's messaging me like, Hey, I, I felt kind of crappy this morning. I went and got oh, tested. God. I have COVID. I'm like, Oh my God, no, you know? And, it, fortunately it hasn't been close to the fight you know yeah. but it's definitely been in in training camp so then you're got having to like having to make adjustments about like the protocols and and uh how you're running things so like there's been a few times where it's like you know a guy there's been two times where and i'm not going to name my teammates right, right, right. i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that to him and i'm not mad at him never was <laughs> it's just that's just that's just a reality of the world we're living in right now but where it's like, all right, well, you trained with him too. You trained with him too. You trained with him. You did okay. Well, you know what? Like, if you didn't touch this guy, then don't come here. But yeah. all of us that did, we're gonna still train. And if we all get COVID, then we all get COVID. But yeah. it's like, it's not like we're like, oh, I trained with the guy that had it. Oh, I'm fine. But yeah. you know, but I can't. Being in training camp, it's like I can't go home and, and self quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. I gotta train. So it's like so there's just been it's particularly one instance where it's like, dude, I train I rolled with him, you rolled with him, you rolled with him, you rolled with him. Well, I guess the the four of us, like, we're just gonna kind of be doing our own thing. Oh, light shut off. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, man. But uh but yeah, so just there's that one time where it's like well, it's just going to be the four of us for like a week because we're not going to risk getting anybody sick. You know what I mean? And turned out I went and got tested. Everything was fine. I almost feel like at this point, like I should not say this because this could come back to bite me in the butt. I'm almost thinking I have like an immunity because I've been yeah. exposed to so many people. You could have had touching, it. swapping sweat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't get any more like that is how you exchange things in the most volatile way is like swapping bodily fluid i mean that sounds so gross but it's like i'm yes, literally we're wrestling we're sweating yeah. and i didn't get it so it's like count my blessings you know yeah. thank the big man upstairs glad i didn't get it yeah i know it's crazy man because uh i mean yeah you could and you might have already had it i know a few fighters that got it during their fight camp 
and had to go through it. And then, and then they still were able to fight because they didn't have it by the time the fight happened. Um, I won't say names or whatever, but, but you know, that's another issue. Um, and it's crazy because like when I was coming up, I used to be so frustrated because it seems like people, like, I know it's different now with Corona, maybe, I don't know, but, uh, it seems like nobody will tell you when they're sick. So like we have guys at the gym that train with us that aren't UFC level or whatever, but they would grapple with us and train with us and they would never tell us that they're sick. So they'd be sniffling and coughing and then they want to roll with you. And you're like, dude, man, I got a fight coming up in two weeks. Like, I'm not going to roll with you if, if you're sick. No, nah, bro. Yeah. No, man, I'm fine. I just got a sinus infection. Dude, it's been like this my whole life, you know? And then, and then you roll with them and the next day they're like gone and they're like sick. And you're just like, dude, like it has happened my whole career. Like, it seems like nobody ever wants to just sit out around or sit out a day and say they're sick. It's like almost like, bro, like, <laughs> like we got fights coming up and you guys are just lying to train with us. It's like the chick that's got the clap that doesn't want to tell yeah, you she's got it. She wants to throw down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, I can, uh, I can relate though. The good thing about our team is we're a small, like, you know, my core MMA team, it's, uh, you know, six jitsu MMA. It's, it's a small team. And we we really don't operate on that wavelength. I mean, we're all just like kind of looking out for each other. We can't afford to have we know as a team we that's even before COVID. Like AKA, I mean, you guys have a, a stable. Well, we got stable so many guys, yeah, on so many different levels. So we got a lot of these other guys that aren't up yet in the room at a time. Yeah, it's like for us, yep. it's like ten high level pros at a time, and and it's ten high level pros where we're all very much involved in each other's lives. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like we, if, if someone's sick, it's like, Hey, I'm not feeling good. I'm not even going to come to the gym today where it's like, it's a little bit different in that environment that you're in when it's like, it's a huge stable of guys. Not everybody's as tight as like you and cost and fit. Right, right. There's a lot I mean? of new like, guys. Usually the guys, guys, the guys that are outside of your core yep. group are yep. the ones that are doing that. So we don't really have that problem where I train and I'm fortunate. I'm blessed for that. You know what I mean? I can, I, I, I take a lot of pride being from a small team for how much we take care of each other and look out for each other. And, and, uh, in, in that type of regard. So, but it was just weird that one time it's like, well, you rolled with them. You yeah. did, you did, you did. <laughs> Well, it's just us, you know what I mean? And of course, like we went through all the protocols, like before we trained, we'd spray the gym down, sanitize the gym. Afterwards, we'd spray and sanitize everything. And none of us, aside from the one guy that had it, none of us ended up getting it. So yeah. worked out for the best. Thank God. Yeah, that's awesome. And let me go back really fast, uh, just before we quit talking about your camp. Um, on fight week, do you typically train hard during fight week or do you kind of taper off and, and, and rest your body and just no, you're not going to get out of shape in, in one week. I've seen guys like kill it during fight week. And then I've seen guys that understand they got to recover the body and they just go a couple hard workouts Monday and Tuesday. And then they just chill the rest of the time. No, I like to keep the body moving. I, there's like a definite happy medium. Um, you know, I'm not going to do any crazy like running workouts. Like if I'm going to do any type of running, it's really going to be, you know, just kind of like calorie burning, yeah, just kind of, rate, you know, yeah. more for the weight cut. Outside of that, it's just like submit, some rolling, drill some takedowns. I'll do some rounds, but like it'll be like touch rounds, like not yeah, even yeah, yeah. hardly touching, more like just to keep the body moving, keep the body loose. I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing my shakeout on fight day, like and having that be the first time I'm like throwing punches, doing some footwork, doing things like that. Um, so I like to keep it moving through the fight week, and 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 uh, you know, and this will be nice because I've always kind of had this problem with. 
overtraining. You know what I mean? Like my coach is always trying to tell me to reel it back and I'll sneak off and go do a workout behind their back. And, uh, <laughs> and then I'll show up the next day and be like, Oh my God, I'm so beat up. And they're like, yeah. well, why? I told you to take the day off. And you're like, Oh, well yeah. I did go do this one thing. And they're like, God damn it. You know? So it'll be nice. Like having this like longer fight week where it's going to kind of force me like, I'm going to go into quarantine. Yeah, I, it's Thursday rest. here, Thursday morning here. I fly out Saturday afternoon. So it's like I'm going to work out in the garage, do my last strength workout on Saturday in the garage, and then head out. And it's I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to take the weekend off. I'm yeah. going to take two days off. I'm going to take Saturday and Sunday off. I'm going to relax. I'm going to be stuck in my hotel room in Las Vegas. I'm going to chill. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so so I'll, I'll work out Saturday. But I'll take Sunday off, and then Monday we fly out. So I'll have the flight to relax. And then I'll get back to getting to work. And I think I have a couple, couple hard running workouts I'm going to do. Um, just cause usually I usually do my strength conditioning up until the week before the fight. So I got a few things I'm going to, we're going to do some makeshift type of workouts, but once the actual fight week hits, once we're a week before the fight, low impact, but just to keep a sweat, just to keep your confidence up, keep, yeah. keep the weight down, keep the confidence high. And that, you know, that's the goal. And then backstage, right before you go out and, you, and you're warming up, you know, that couple fights before you go out, are you blowing your lungs out, like getting that first blowout done, or are you just getting a good sweat going? I like to do a shakeout before, before the fight, I get a nice little shakeout in. And then, uh, backstage, when I warm up, I like to get a nice little lung stretch. You know what I mean? I'm a guy like, yeah, I'm the guy, uh, my head coach, Rick, I'll have to go find a hallway, you know, <laughs> clear everybody out and be like, Hey, can you guys just step like anybody walking around about, can you guys move aside for like a minute? I got to get my long sprints in. Usually I get like at least five long, probably like 20 yard good sprints. Like I just like to like, I'll get, yeah, we try to simulate like, like yesterday was my last hard sparring day. So we kind of like went through the motions of what we're going to do on fight day. Hey, do move around with your partner. Hey, get a couple rolls in, drill a couple takedowns, get a couple squeezes, couple squeezes. But I like those those last couple sprints. Like clear up, get out in the hallway, blow the lungs out. Once I get done with those sprints, put my sweats on, DC style, tuck them in, bring those pants up above my belly button, tuck yeah. my socks in, get everything <laughs> tucked style. in. Just Russell try to keep style. myself warm and just chilling and then get out there and compete. Nice, man. And I got to ask you just because I don't know uh, about you specifically, and I'm sure a lot of your followers might not know either. And it's interesting. Um, you started fight, it looks like when you were 21, when you, when you turned pro or, or started amateur. Fun. Okay. So, so what, what, so from, from, I guess, whenever till 21, uh, when did you get into martial arts? Uh, what martial art was it? And then how did you decide to become pro to start this whole career? Uh, yeah, I wrestled growing up and I really fell short of my goals in wrestling um and a lot of that was a lot of that was attributed to injury i broke my femur when i was 15 set me back well i broke my hand my my freshman season and then that put me out that summer broke my femur that put me out of my sophomore season um but i had the passion i went to the camps i followed everybody you know like that's how you know when i was in high school that's when i became a fan of daniel cormier it's like I yeah. watched real pro wrestling and, you know, I paid attention to the NCAAs and, um, you know, so I've always had a, I was a big fan of wrestling and, you know, as time went on and I was in high school, ultimate fighter came about, watched your season, um, and started to see wrestlers making the transition to MMA. And as a kid, you know, I'm like, I would watch the Rocky, the Rocky films, you know, and then just like every I feel like just like my age group, we were all big into the Rocky movie. So, and then all of a sudden I'm wrestling and then all of a sudden my, I fall short of my goals. And then I'm watching the ultimate fighter and I'm seeing there's these wrestlers that are transitioning to MMA, but they're high level wrestlers. But nonetheless, 
for some reason, something about that, uh, I felt just kind of like something about watching MMA was like gravity. I was like, something is pulling me towards this sport. I wasn't a tough guy. I wasn't that good at wrestling. I wasn't a stellar athlete. I was just a passionate kid. Hard work, man. uh, Yeah. So I just, once, once I kind of, kind of was able to take life in my, my own hands and um, I graduated high school. I was like, I want, I want to try this fighting thing. Something about it's just pulling me towards it. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. This beats going to college. I, I went to yeah. orientation to go to college <laughs> and was like, what am I doing here? Like, I, yeah, I fucking I don't know what I want to do in life. And I don't, I don't know what I want to study in college. I'm about to sign up for student loans. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm like, I just bailed on it. I was like, I need to do this instead. So the best decision I ever made, and and uh, I made the decision to go pro just because I was kind of once I showed up to the MMA gym I was at, I was like one of the only guys that could actually I could wrestle decent, you know what I mean? Especially as I matured, I staged. I even after high school, I still went in the in the in the room and helped coach, and I would go to open tournaments. And I would still wrestle, so I still improved as a wrestler. So when I started training MMA when I was twenty. I was like one of the few guys on the team that actually wrestled. So the pros were like kind of making me go to the pro practices. And I was kind of getting my ass beat a lot. Actually, I was really, really getting my ass beat a lot, but I could wrestle. So um, these guys were like, hey, you need to go pro. Like you're going to be a pro someday. So I kind of like was like, well, if these guys say it, I believe it. And so I uh, that was just kind of how, how I ended up becoming a pro fighter. And it's how I ended up here fucking yeah. 13 years later, I guess. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. so yeah, long story short, uh, so you watched Tough One and saw me and then got into fighting. So, cl- uh, Greg, when you clip that out, that we'll just go with that. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. A lot of people want to know, man. And, and a lot of times when guys make it to the top like you, uh, it gets overlooked how you got there. And, and people don't know, you know, your, your journey. And they find inspiration in what you found inspiration in, be it all these wrestlers in D.C. and watching these shows and, and all these different things, you know. And, and they're in that that category right now doing that and, and they see you started at 21 fighting and, and i get so many people asking me questions like is 20 old too old to start fighting or 21 too old to start fighting 22 too old to start fighting and you obviously answer that question and it's no it's it's not too old and and uh so that, that motivates people i think a lot yeah it's you're never too old man and it's one of those things that even if you're 28 even if you're 30 it's like do it because there's going to come a day in your life when you're not able to do these things Absolutely. when you're too old and yep. you're going to look back and be like, God, I wish I just would have done this one thing. You don't want to die with regrets. Absolutely. You want to die with memories. You know what I mean? And and I, I, that's been the biggest blessing for me, Mike, is, uh, you know, the notoriety is whatever. You know, the, this fighting career has been great. But I think the best thing that I've gotten from this whole journey is the opportunity to meet my heroes. Like I've really – uh, I feel like whatever you do in life, I feel like if you put really put everything into it, you're going to meet your heroes sooner or later. Like right. I'm literally, if I look, I look on my wall, I have Chuck Liddell signed shorts. Yeah. I have a Danny way signed skateboard. I have signed wrestling shoes from Daniel Cormier. That's awesome. And that's, that's, those are all things like, I, I really believe that's when you put everything you have into something, yeah. the things you're passionate about, you're going to, you're going to meet the people, whether, whether you get to that goal that you're striving for or not, you're still going to meet your heroes along the way. And so, you know, that's been the biggest reward for me through this whole martial arts journey is like, I, I've got the chance to meet and thank these people that have given me inspiration to, to pursue this, to pursue this martial arts journey. So it's been, uh, it's been great. 
I'm talking to you, talking to Mike Swick. I watched you in my dad's basement. I watched your season of Tough on my dad's basement with my girlfriend. I was like, someday I'm going to go on this show. I'm telling you, you watch. I'm going to go on the Ultimate Fighter someday. And she's like, yeah, That's you're so fucking sick, nuts. <laughs> That's so sick, Look man. at it, this. I did it. We did it. <laughs> dude, looking at it from the other angle, it's fun for me right now being like that I had this career, like I've already done with my career and I've had the UFC career, 15 fights, whatever. And now I get to be a fan. And, and one step further than that, I get to talk to all you guys that I'm watching on TV that I'm fans of and and have podcasts and, and be able to have interactions from thailand here where i don't get to talk to any of you guys unless you come into ak thailand and train and stuff so it's cool for me too man it, it's definitely cool for me and and it, it goes full circle and it, it seems to work out good for the followers they love the interaction between fighters talking versus like journalists and fighters that can't really relate to kind of the, a lot of the the scenarios and stuff um, I wanted to ask you, you said something about Khabib one time saying that uh, you, you thought it'd be impossible for him to ever get stopped. Um, now, I don't know when you said that, but now that he, you know, has kind of proved that he won his fights, he retired. What's your take on, on Habib? Like, like as far as like his career, uh, that fight with Gaethje and then, and then now the retirement and, and ending on top at, you know, with an awesome record like that. Well, I'm still not sold that he's retired. I know that he's adamant about it. And I know that a lot of people say, you know that it is true he's going to be retired i do know that you know there had been a lot of talks prior to his dad passing away and may his dad rest in peace you yeah. know the, what a what a tragedy that was yeah um i know his dad wanted to see him get to 30 and 0 um you know but if this is it what a career he's had uh i thought gaethje would be the toughest test i mean you got to yeah, look at like too. you look at the guys that he's fought and he never fought an ncaa division one all-american right. and when i try to tell people like whoa an all-american like what you know a lot of people don't realize the significance of that <laughs> it's, it's big, like to place top six out yeah. of hundreds of guys in the united states that's a big deal especially in the sport of wrestling um so I thought that that would be the toughest test. This is going to be the guy that can really. We're going to see if he can stuff Khabib's takedowns. We're going to see what what, what we're going to see what's going to happen when Habib is forced to stand. He's never been forced to stand up. He's always he can just pick and choose where a yeah. fight takes place. And I mean, dude, he passed that test with flying colors. Yeah. I mean, the guys. I was there ringside watching it, and it was to see the guy. It's one thing when you see him on TV. Yeah. But when you see him that, that close. And you watch him fight, you're like, he can't be beat. He just can't. I mean, it's just not possible. It's yeah. not, I mean, it's, I, I put myself in that situation when I fought at lightweight and I liked my odds against him. But it's different when you're looking at stuff like how I match up with somebody. And then when you step outside of your own mind as a fighter right, right. and I'm being the analyst now, yeah. now I'm going into being an analyst. I'm like, that guy can't. That guy can't be. Can't be beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I was a lightweight, could I? Have, could I have beat Khabib? I feel like I had a skill set that could have gave him some problems. Kind of the same thing with Tony. Tony in his prime could have gave him a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, could have, anybody can be beat on any given day? But now that I'm outside the weight class and just saw that performance because Justin Gaethje, it's like God dang. Yeah. How do you beat the guy? How yeah. do you beat him? I mean, he's he, 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 the thing that gets overlooked a lot with his skill set is his speed. And you don't really see the speed on TV. You see the speed in person. When you see how he moves, it's like the guy is like greased lightning. He yep. is very fast. It's not just with his hands. It's just his movements, his subtle little movements with his head, the way he can slip punches. Like when people talk about the Michael Johnson fight, they're like, Michael Johnson was tagging him. It's like, no, watch those punches in slow motion. Habib is rolling with yeah. those punches. They weren't he hitting as hard as people thought. It's, 
he's that fast. Yeah. He, I mean, if you can slip, if you can roll with Michael Johnson's left hand, which is one of the fastest yes. left hands we've seen it in the 155 pound division, he's able to roll with Michael Johnson's roll off his left hand. Just impressive stuff. I don't think the guy can be beat at this point. Um, we'll see. I think that there's, if they were to make another fight for him, I think it would have to be, it'd have to be like at 170. I think that he would have to fight the champ. I think that that would be, I don't see George St. Pierre coming back to fight Habib. I just don't think time is time is George's enemy at this point. Right. The longer they wait, the closer to forty he's going to be. By the time the fight gets booked, George will probably be forty, and it's like, what does George St. Pierre have to prove? You know what I mean? He yeah. he he beat he beat a prime Johnny Hendricks as is his last fight at one seventy. Came back and beat Bisping. There's no yeah. need for him to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. There's no need for Habib to come back unless he wants to get that thirty and zero. But I'm confident that if if he does come back. He will get that. He will get that last win. Yeah, yeah. And you know, George St. Pierre speaking to him. That that was my guy. You know that that was the guy in my division who no one could beat, and we knew it. Like, like as far as like technically. So like I had, yeah. I felt like I had my out, which would be a knockout. You know, just a, a punches and bunches. You know, Matt Sarah style kind of knockout chance. But I knew damn well, like everyone else, pretty much knew if they were smart, you're not going to out technique that guy. You're just not going to do it. He plays the game better than anybody, and if you can't catch him. And, and 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 you know just get him with with a shot yeah, he's gonna win and and he proved that and and had a, a great career and uh you know obviously still not as good technically statistically as is habib and then and then going changing uh direction just a little bit gotta ask you about the uh conor mcgregor dustin poirier fight can you break that fight down for me right now like like, like where you see that fight being now that dustin's had that fight with him um and then he stayed active and and connor's obviously got a lot of other things going on in your professional opinion uh obviously you're an expert in the field you're a top-ranked fighter how do you how do you see this fight going now well the one thing i can say about both guys both guys have grown tremendously there's been a ton of growth on conor mcgregor's side and there's been a ton of growth on Dustin Poirier's side. But I feel like the person that's grown the most as a fighter has been Dustin Poirier. He's been the more active fighter since they've competed. He's had more fights um, as of recent and even in the past. He's a, Dustin's a very active fighter. Um, and I, I, you know, it's if there's a finish, I believe it's going to be Connor. If the, the fight gets finished, it's going to be Connor. But the longer the fight goes, the more it's going to favor Dustin the Diamond Poirier. I mean, I think if Dustin can survive the early onslaught, and I think it mix it up. You know, he's got great boxing, but Connor's. You know, both guys have great boxing, and I feel like Connor's got the more dangerous striking because he's got that precision one punch knockout power. I mean, yeah. that left hand yeah, it's is the timing, the distance control, the stance. He, Connor does a lot of things very well. Those are the things that Dustin's going to have to watch out for. He's going to have to find a way to disrupt Connor's range management and how he likes to control the space. He can disrupt that. He can land some punches. I think some off timing. Connor has awkward timing, but I think if you could if you could disrupt Connor's timing with off timing of your own, maybe disrupting your rhythm a little bit to throw off his timing, I think that could benefit Dustin a lot. Um, and this might be a biased thing for me to say, but. I always say, like, what's a good way to disrupt a striker? You make him grapple. And, yeah. and Dustin's got a great black belt. You know, he, I think he's black belt. He's black belt under Tim Crater. Um, he loves to jump guillotine. Yeah. But, you know, try and snatch his neck. You know, if you can get Connor, if you can maybe get to the body in the later rounds, get Connor to keel up a little bit, you know, jump on that neck. Yeah, you know, show, show us that black belt. Show us what you got on the ground. Um, 
And even with that being said, Connor's even not a slouch on the ground. He swept Nate Diaz yeah. in their first fight. Connor's got a good ground game of his own. I mean, even in his loss to Habib, he stuffed some takedowns. Yeah. He, you know, he showed he has ground skills. Um, you know, but I just think the whole theme of this fight for me is the longer the fight goes, the more it's going to favor Dustin. So if Dustin can avoid the power of the left hand in the early rounds, I think he's got a chance to win this fight in the later rounds, win a decision, cement himself as the number one contender and fight. For, whoever wins this fight is fighting for the title right. this year. So um, big ramifications this fight. Big. It's a good way to end this third stint on Fight Island is for these guys to fight in the main event. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I agree with you 100% on Dustin um, being, uh, you know, everything you said. I agree 100%. And and he's improved. He's doing so well. He's a better fighter. Um, the one thing is I always count – I always want to count Connor out because he's made so much money and he's had such a good life. And why would you train so hard? Why would you fight so hard? But he surprises me every time. And, like, when he came out against Cowboy, not only – that aggressiveness and that and that that fortitude and that mentality but the new moves the shoulder the the shoulder you know all that stuff like i was impressed like I, he hasn't lost it as a fighter yet so i'm very intrigued with this fight because i mean if he comes out again like he did with uh with cowboy and and takes it to to dustin i mean it's going to be a nice fight man yeah it could be very interesting i think he, we'll see how he comes out this fight um but yeah i mean he's definitely got the fire still i mean if you're got if you're sitting on a hundred million dollars and you're still, you know, you're betting like on your house and you're still, you see, you see the guys he brings in, he brings in kickboxers from Thailand. He yeah. brings in high level black belts. Like he's still, he's doing now what he should have done when he fought Habib. To my understanding, he trained hard for Habib, but not the way he's training now. And I think that, you know, as a fighter, it's the losses, the, the losses are where you learn, you know, you win. You know, uh, I don't really get too high on my wins, but I know a lot of other people do. And uh, you learn from your losses. Those are the ones where you learn the hard lessons on what you need to change, what you need to do, which, what, what, what needs to be adjusted. I think him losing to Habib might have been the best thing to happen to him in his whole career because now it's lit the fire under his ass. And we saw this, we saw the Conor McGregor that was so great against Cowboy Cerrone. The way he went out there, I mean, Cowboy's ultra tough. And he went out there and he had the fastest – fastest main event finish of 2020 yeah that's an impressive that's an impressive accolade to have amongst his other against a tough guy that's the being in in, you know double champion and all the great things he's done that's great accolade to have uh on your shelf you know so uh we'll see how he approaches dustin you know does he try to go out and get the first round knockout does dustin have that kind of burn in his brain can he get over that hump of you know that, that of that first fight We'll find out. A lot of questions will be answered on the 23rd, and it'll be fun for us to sit back and watch and be answered. It's going to be a great fight. Yeah. And I know you're in your prime still, and, and you obviously got big fights, and, and you got a long ways to go. But are you thinking about an end game yet? And, and what would you like to be doing as of right now, um, say 10 years from now, after fighting's over with? I see you have headphones on right now with what looks to be a Blue Yeti microphone. Looks like a podcast area right here. Is, it, is podcasting a possibility that, that, that is for a hobby or possibly something else? Or, or what else is it that you're interested in doing once fighting's over and, and you quit face punching? The funny thing is the end game doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. yeah, I have a plan, you know, I don't have a set plan, but I have a lot of things I want to do. And, uh, and I, I, I have a great work ethic. And so wherever, wherever life takes me after fighting, I know I'm going to be just fine. Um, obviously this year I've really got, uh, got, got a lot of reps under my belt as an analyst. 
I want to commentate. Nice. I, I I know someday I'll be someday I will be cage side with Daniel Cormier, Paul Felder, John Anik, Joe yeah. Rogan. Um, I know I'm going to be a commentator someday. Cool. I'm very confident in that. Um, and that'll be in the UFC. That'll be in other promotions. I want to do podcasting. I'm going to stay involved in the sport. Like I said earlier, I bailed on college to go all in on this sport. So this is what I got. I got. I'd like to think my tough trophy is my diploma. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I've, right. I've, I'm, I have a college degree in mixed martial arts. Um, so I'd like to be in broadcasting and I, you know, obviously I'm going to get into podcasting. Um, a, a teammate of mine who is also the news anchor for one of the local news outlets here in Spokane, um, Joe McHale, him yeah. and I, he's going to be my co-host. We're going to start a podcast together. Nice. We might record our first show before I leave. Um, I'm very adamant that my next show after is I'm going to recap my fight, whether I win or oh, lose. Nice. So, so getting my, you know, hitting the ground running with the podcasting stuff. Once my fight gets over, I'll get back to my analyst stuff. But yeah, my, my end goal is buy some real estate, get into broadcasting, stay involved with the sport as much as I can. And I'm going to be just fine. You know, so the everything I'm not, I'm not fighting on borrowed time yet. Yeah. I'm still in my prime. Yeah. But I don't. I'm not going to be one of those guys. That I'm not going to stretch this thing out longer. You know, you see, you see some guys that yeah. stay in it too long and, and pay pay the price of that. I'm not going to be one of those guys. Nice. You know, so I'm happy with where I'm at with my life and my career. And I don't have a set plan, but I have goals, and yeah. I feel like that can be more important sometimes is to have goals to strive for than than set plans. So yeah. I, I'll be all right. Well, you have, I mean, you can go a long way just this year alone, and uh, and you're looking to do that. And and I'll say that during this podcast, every time we've done a breakdown or, or anything about fighters or fighting, you've been very analytical. So I have no doubts in my mind that you can do a great job at broadcasting and commentating. Um, I don't know if you've been to Thailand before, but if you ever do come to Thailand, hit me up, let me know. And I got a gym here, and, and I'd love to have you come out and, and train with us and, and see Phuket and everything. So an open invitation to you, sir, to, to come out and uh, train with us at AK Thailand. And I greatly appreciate you taking the time out, especially this close to your fight, for coming on my show, giving me all this time and, uh, and, and doing this, man. I, I appreciate it, and I'm a big fan of yours, and it was great to talk to you finally and uh, have you on. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. It was a good opportunity. And uh, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to take you up on that trip to AKA Thailand. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, sir. All right, Michael Chiesa. Great guy. Great podcast. Uh, It was good to finally talk to him and have him on the show. Um, I feel like we got him at a great time. Three fight win streaks, fighting Neil Magny. Uh, It's a big fight, you know. I mean, he's fighting a guy that's ranked along the same lines as himself, eighth and ninth. But uh, considering the fact of who these guys have fought, um, and, and the streaks that they're on, it's a big jump. It's a big jump up, and this is going to put him at the top if he gets this win. So it was good to talk to him, and, uh, man, I, I, was, I was very fortunate that he gave us so much of his time, so much information. Uh, he obviously is going to do a fantastic job being a broadcaster and an analyst. Uh, he is definitely really good on the mic. Um, so I hope you guys took a lot from that. Uh, I think you probably all did and you probably enjoyed it because I did. And, uh, so I'm, I'm sure you guys did as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment. Let us know what you think. We love the comments. All the podcasts go to YouTube first, nine hours early. So we do that to incentivize you guys to leave us comments. Tell us what you think. Tell us what, uh, you want to see on the podcast in the future. Um, what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, we like to interact with you back and, 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 uh, respond to the comments and, and let you know how we feel, um, as well. So anyway, we appreciate the support guys and we'll see you next time.